this is Faber McMullen. And this is Sandy McMullen. And we hope you guys are doing okay today. This is our podcast for, uh, this is July the 8th, 2020, and we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3 this evening. So if y'all want to go get your Bibles, we're going to sing a little song for you that kind of uh, speaks to the theme today, and that's just keeping a closer walk to the Lord. So let's sing this together, and then you guys go get Galatians 3. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk, dear Lord, close to is my Just a closer walk with Thee, it Jesus is my sung that in a long, long time. We thank Larry for picking that out this week. What we're talking about today, Sandy, is we're going to look at Galatians 3 and we're going to kind of get off of the thing. We've kind of hammered it home the last couple of weeks that it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So uh, today, let's just take, I want us all to look at, uh, go to uh, Galatians chapter 3 and look, let's look at just like the first uh, five or six verses. Sandy, you want to go ahead and read? Yes. Um, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? 
Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, when we were talking, I guess it was yesterday, I told you that I just wasn't able to see anything really in this whole third chapter of Galatians. It's A lot of times that's the way it is with the Bible. And last night I was with Michael Nickerson, and he said, well, look before it and look after it. You know, look at the, look at the chapter before it and after it. And um, you got it where you can read it okay? Yeah. And, uh, and he said, you know, when the Bible was first written, of course, there weren't any verses or chapters. And it kind of helped me. And so today as I got down and looked at it this morning, looked at things the way I do as a lawyer, looking at the text, you notice it's kind of interesting that Paul starts this whole thing off and he asks six different questions, which I think is very interesting. And it's like when you were, you know, little and your mom would talk to you and go, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you thinking the way you are? And, and Paul asked them six things. And uh, we aren't prone, you and I are not prone today to trust in Levitical works, like things that, you know, of burning incense or sacrificing animals and that sort of thing. But we are, you and I have talked a lot about with the uncertain times, you know, how much we should really trust in our own resources. So today, these six questions to me, kind of I'm going to look at them in terms of our resources and how we handle the things that are going on right now, the protests, the statues being ripped down, just things that are upsetting to us that we see, we see injustices, you know, people getting hurt and, and businesses being burned. And it's kind of weird. We, you know, we wonder how does the application of the word, you know, how does it really help us to get through these times? And that's what I wanted to look at maybe today. And Paul talks, starts off saying to them, who has bewitched you? And the, actually the, the Greek word, Matt and I took a look at it and it's really, it's, it's bewitching you sort of like if someone put a spell on you. And so Paul is saying, somebody's cast a spell on you and somebody's gotten control of you. And he says it in the singular, uh, if you look at the pronoun, it says who, singular, has gotten a hold of you and cast a spell on you. So I'm going to ask you, who is it that's at war with us? Well, it's Satan. Well, actually, we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our own flesh, uh, unless we make an effort to conform it to the image of Christ, we are, you know, we're always going to look for the bad thing or we're going to have the negative attitude unless our minds are thinking in positive ways like the Lord wants us to. Right, and when you and I were over in Greece, we, we went to Corinth, I remember, and we looked and there were all kinds of, remember all those weird little statues that they used to cast spells and do things? There was right, all, right. All the, and I think so Paul's thinking that way. He's saying, who's casting a spell on you? Who's coming there and and somehow pulled out the voodoo doll and stuck it, you know, and made y'all depart from the things that you first saw when I came in and gave you freedom in Christ. And when he gave him freedom in Christ, he also gave him freedom from the fear of all of these talismans and all of these uh, spells that people might cast on them, you know. Part, right, of, part right. of the gospel is, is I've, or I think it's Tyson that's talked about how in the Old Testament sense, you know, in the Hebrew sense, that salvation uh, literally meant it wasn't being saved from your sins so much it was just being taken out of bondage that was salvation kind of being set free and we're set free from these things that would bewitch us so 
you know, as you see things happening, and we've seen things happening, and you know I've been upset with uh, this past week, I ended up getting into some sort of an argument on uh, a lawyer forum on Facebook, which is really silly with people that are not even believers, uh, you know, saying that I, attributing all these kind of things to me that were not even true, you know, it called me a racist because I had a great-great-grandfather in the Civil War who was on the Confederacy, had one also that was a Union soldier on the McMullen side, uh, attributing all these things that, to me that aren't real. For a while, I thought they were my enemy. It was actually a Muslim person that was arguing with me, first-generation American. And I stopped and I realized that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, we see these things happening. We've got to realize it's not the thing we see that we're fighting against. What we're really fighting against is satanic power. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul is very, very clear. He says that don't put your attention on people, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's easy to focus on people instead of saying, okay, Satan is the author of chaos in the world. He's the author of things that are evil that are happening, of lawlessness and all, the, all of these things. And Paul talks about that. And, and we need to realize it is Satan. And so we use spiritual warfare to go against these things, not trying to out-argue somebody on Facebook. You're not going to get anywhere. And I think you have a uh, scripture also that, that Peter talks about this same thing. 1 Peter 5 eight. Uh, okay, be sober, be vigilant. Vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Okay, so talk about that. Uh, that's First Peter five eight, and what really comes to mind for me is that right now we are starting to see extended family members that are coming down with COVID. Okay, Faber's uncle, who is very elderly, has it. Um, my friend's husband's uncle died with it recently and so and these were very elderly people but this hasn't touched our lives in this way before and so what happens is we can either be terrified we can let ourselves be terrified or we can just trust the lord and i mean we should make provision like yes do i think we should wear masks yes should we clean our hands yes i really think we should do those things social distancing i really do but the but the thing is Let's don't put our hope and faith in those things. Let's put our hope and faith in the Lord. And yes, we have to be vigilant, as it says here. Um, but we have to be wary that Satan is going to try to get a toe in there. And he's going to try to make us afraid and make us unable to do what God has put before us to do. And I thought about how there's there's a lot of deception, okay? And just like this says, who has bewitched you? Let's think of it, who has deceived you? Right now, uh, you know, we've seen these people that are called Antifa and supposedly anti-fascists, and in fact, they're very fascist in the way they act. The whole Black Lives Matter political organization, and I wanted to distinguish that between the fact that black lives do matter, you know, Black lives matter, white lives matter, human lives matter. Uh, you know, that's, that, as I heard, I think it was Hannity speaking, he said, it's a good slogan, but it's the political organization, it's a Marxist organization. I'm not calling them that, they call themselves that. So I wanted, as I was uh, speaking today, to remind maybe the younger people listening, Marx was not a good guy. 
Karl Marx was the author of modern day communism. And part of the Marxist, the manifesto, so to speak, is that he said that religion is an opiate of the people. It's opium of the people. He was against religion and all of these totalitarian, supposedly uh, dystopian situations, that means the opposite of utopia, have happened because these Marxist people that were anti-God, and I like to think of it as anti-Torah, they're against the things that the Torah speaks about. And they have always resulted in human suffering and killings. I think Stalin killed 40 to 60 million of his own people. So when you see the word Marxist, you need to think anti-God. You really do. You need to think anti-God. And what is the root behind there? Not to say that some group might have some good things that they're proposing, but if they're Marxist in their basic philosophy, they're anti-God. And I just want to step in right now and say, when this idea was conceived about Black Lives Matter, yes, Black Lives do matter. Have black people been treated poorly? Yes, they have. Absolutely. But we need to be wary when another group comes along and grabs onto something like Black Lives Matter and turns it into something that it's not and turns it into their own political gain. And I even believe there's a lot of the elements right now in this covid 19 uh, fight that we're having is being used for evil because guess what mankind who are not guided by God will always use their power for evil and so we need to not be afraid but we need to love people as God wants us to and that includes black people every people every color people we need to love people um, I wish there was some way we could go and change all of these past things that have happened against different races. You know, this is humanity. This is why we need Jesus. This is why we need God in our lives is because people will always choose the selfish thing. People will always choose the bad thing when their focus is not on God and trying to live God's way. And I wanted to say what I mean by God's law when I'm saying that Marxism is against God's law. Marxism against private property rights, impartial justice, in courts of law. Those are things that are established in God's word. I mean, actually, they really are. And I'd like for us to remember uh, that as we see things that make no sense, and, and in a way for me, this whole COVID-19 thing makes no sense. It's very, very weird. The things you see happening weird. Sometimes, y'all, I think when we see weird things happening, it's just evidence of something spiritual going on. You know, you go, this is just too weird to explain in any other way. And so it's spiritual things that are happening. So as Sandy said, this illness, you know, we don't know where the illness came from or how it came into being. There's all kinds of theories. But the point of the matter is evil steps in and uses this supposed or real crisis for its own advantage to do things. And we need to be on guard and not be under a spell back to where this whole discussion got started. Do, do not be deceived, not be bewitched. Who's bewitched you? You know, it's the Lord is the one that we're going to have to depend on. And I think it's kind of interesting because really, you know, evil cannot take the soul of a, of a believer. But evil can steal your heart and evil can steal your mind. And your joy. And your joy. I notice this as I begin to spend more time looking for information in places outside of God's word, my joy gets removed. It's kind of like my joy gets removed, my anxiety goes up and it's when I stop and I go no this morning instead of switching to, to this 
website or that to try to figure out this or that, just to say, Lord, speak into my heart today. Help me today to love my neighbor as myself. And again, it's not that we run around and bury our heads in the sand, but we don't put too much stock in all of this information that is just the world spewing out more stuff. We can have our hearts and our minds stolen away. And young Christians are especially prone to being pulled away because they're listening to all other kinds of influence. So I just want to say this, that another observation I'm having is during this COVID crisis, people are becoming more and more comfortable uh, devoting themselves of any spiritual input in their life. Someone told me the other day, I've just gotten so used to not going to church on Sundays. It just sort of feels normal now. And I, I saw a study or heard about a study once that said once you disrupt certain patterns you have for three or four weeks in a row, that becomes your new norm. You no longer have that feeling of, wow, I'm starving to death spiritually because I've not gone to church today. And so that, I think, is a danger we actually have as we move through the, this COVID crisis. Yes, you, you may not feel comfortable right now coming to services, but you know what? You better have your own service there at home. You alone with the Lord or with somebody else through Skype or something because you need it. We need the gathering together in some way. Uh, staying at home, as I said, becomes more and more attractive. And then other influences take over. And pretty soon, people have done just what Paul says. They've fallen under a spell. Let's then go on to the second question that Paul says. And he says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? And, and you know, I just want to ask our, ourselves, did we receive the Holy Spirit from some work that we had done? No. We received the Holy Spirit when we heard the gospel and we responded to it. And then it's up to us to feed that Holy Spirit within us daily by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to doing the things that God would have us do. When you've been saved and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, you know it. You know, you, you, I remember for me it was that incident that I shared when I was 14 or 15. Other times I'd maybe believed things about Jesus or I'd believed... Uh, maybe even believed in Jesus. But when I was 14 or 15, I feel like that's when the Holy Spirit of God fell on me. I believed, I was sealed in him and I could never go back. I, could, I actually became a new creature. I was probably truly saved at that point, even though as a child, I maybe thought I was being saved or something. I, I don't know. But anyway, if you're not feeding the Holy Spirit that's within you, you will have a hunger. I mean, if you do have the Holy Spirit within you and you're not feeding that Holy Spirit, you're going to know it. You're going to begin to get more and more spiritually hungry. You're going to want to hear the things of God. You're going to want to read the Word and stay in the Word. Uh, and, of course, the obvious thought of this is, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Uh, Paul's back to talking about works, saying, again, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I, I just want to, it uh, makes me think about that, I guess it's some sort of an Indian legend where you have these two wolves fighting inside of you, and so the question comes up, which wolf is going to win? Well, the wolf you feed the most, that's the wolf that's going to win. So you need to think about your spiritual life. Can you go online and listen to any church service anywhere? Yes. Okay. If you don't have internet, you can go and get your Bible and read your Bible. There's so many Bibles with good notes. And if you don't know where to start, just start with the Psalms. It's a very, very... A uh, good place to start. If you read something you don't understand, skip, skip over it and keep going, and you're going to get that nourishment that your soul needs. What's kind of funny for me in his next question is, are you so foolish? It's kind of like when your mom 
Or maybe a friend now says, are you kidding? You know, and Paul's saying, y'all got this wonderful thing. It was so spectacular. This freedom in Christ that you have, you were no longer under all of this fear and this weird stuff you had with the demons and the things that were in, involved in your life. He says, really? Y'all threw that away that fast? And I think it's that way with us. Guys, wake up. Are we going to really throw away our freedom in Christ that fast? You know, I don't think so. I don't want to. You want to go ahead and read his fourth question? Are you now perfected by the flesh? Are you trusting in your own abilities to fulfill God's will for your life? Do you really think that things that you can do in the flesh are more powerful than the Spirit of God? Paul was indeed talking about legalism in the life of believers who were tempted to boast in their own efforts, but it helps me to think about it differently today. The powers of the flesh can only help us so far. They end pretty quickly. We've all read the verse, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I just want to stop here and think about, you know, Faber and I talked about earlier the things we do when we feel stressed out, okay? And, um, okay, anyway, when, when you feel stressed out, when, and I mentioned to him today about, you know, the toilet paper that everybody buys and the paper towels. Yeah, you said call this sermon, the yeah. toilet paper and the paper towel sermon. I don't sermon. know. I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't remember that. But the thing is, when you buy those things, it makes you feel more secure, even though it may not fix what's happening. It can't, somehow buying more toilet paper is not going to keep you from getting ill in the future. Um, and, and we were also talking to someone, and they were saying that when they feel insecure about the future, they buy bullets. Right. But what I buy, I buy seeds. I find myself buying seeds. I've got lots and lots of seeds. And so I think that stress and uncertain future affects us all a different way. And, but, and, and it's not, Faber and I were talking this morning, it's not that we shouldn't prepare for the future, but I'm not going to look to my seeds or my toilet paper and my paper towel to keep me from getting sick. Or bullets keep, or security or, gates. Yeah, uh, and, we, and we just need to realize that we need to let go of these worries. We need to prepare for the future, but we need to let go of these worries and really let God take care of our souls and make us feel better about what's going on. We are in a spiritual battle, and, and the Bible says, and I believe it's in, in Proverbs, that you can prepare the horse for battle, but the final outcome is in the hands of the Lord. So yeah, prepare. Sandy and I believe in preparing for hard times, you know, and that comprises a lot of different stuff. Remember Jesus in Matthew 10, Sandy said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He's telling us to be prudent. We can be planters. We can, you can actually buy seeds and set them aside or buy food and set it aside. Some, uh, some faith groups even do that. But realize that rats can get in and eat what you've stored. You know, you can right. you can only save taco shells too long and they become rancid. We we had some taco shells the other night that we went to eat them and they were all rancid and we didn't need them. So, yes, plan, you know, let's be as wise as snakes, but as harmless as doves. I think the main thing is maintain our purity of heart where we realize that at the end of the day, our confidence is in Him and in Him alone. You see, I, I'm, I'm getting to this point in this passage because the Galatians were putting their their confidence in their works of the flesh, in their following the Levitical laws. And looking at us today, we're not like out feeling the need to go sacrifice animals or go back to the uh, temple uh, burning incense to be pleasing before the Lord. 
But it's the whole idea of not, not putting confidence in what we can do completely, realizing that the final outcome of wherever our lives take us is in the hands of the Lord. So as societal unrest comes and we see these things as we've talked about that are very disturbing, plan for that. Plan in a way that's just prudent and smart, but realize that as, as the old Scottish, was it, was it uh, Burns says, the, the, the best laid plans of mice and men go, go off to rise. So you can plan your part that you have, but don't put too much trust in your bullets. Don't put too much trust in your food stores or your seeds or your this or your that. Our, our, our trust at this time, and I keep saying this to others, cannot be in a political system. Uh, a political party can't save us. We have to vote our conscience, vote in the ways that, that most reflect what you believe God would want to do in society, but leave the outcome to him. We're to leave the outcome to him. He's either sovereign or in our lives or he's not. And then Paul goes on and he said, did you suffer these things in vain? What do you think he's talking about? Suffering what in vain? Well, they had persecution against them for becoming Christians. When they turned away from Jewish beliefs and embraced Jesus as the Messiah, most of the Jews did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they were uh, being persecuted against because of that, but they stood firm in their faith and they clung to Jesus as the, sa the savior of their souls. And that is one thing that they did suffer. And so Paul is saying, if it meant enough to you to cling to Jesus in spite of persecution, why do you now turn back to these other things thinking that they are going to save you or help your religious experience. And I, I just wanted to add that for most of the history of the church, true Christ followers have suffered. It's only been in modern society or modern American history that people have been supported in their religious belief by what was being pronounced, let's say, from Washington. That's now turned against our basic, many of our basic core Christian beliefs. So, so this is more the norm. And we, yes, we do suffer things in vain. This last uh, week, I got into an argument with, as I said, a guy on Facebook that was a Muslim, who's a first-generation uh, American who came in here and, and sitting there arguing with me and doing all, and accusing me of things, and they're really things based in my faith, uh, kind, of, kind of in a weird way saying that these principles that we hold self-evident that you know, that are in the, our Constitution and everything, that they're all like wickedness and such, and they're not. So it's a time, I think, of when we will suffer things, we're not going to suffer them in vain. At those times, yes, speak the truth in love, but realize that our hope and our trust is in the Lord. You can't argue with some people like that. You can't get anywhere. They're just a, they're an unbeliever or a non-believer or hostile to things of the faith, and we're going to find more and more and more that the prevailing culture in America is hostile to the Christian faith. We all see it. Right. It's really right. happening. And if you deny it, then you're just not listening. You're not looking. And then let's go on. And Paul then says, does he who supplies the spirit, uh, did you, do you have that there? Yeah. Let's go ahead and read that. Right here. Understand then. I uh, know. I'm just going to say the, the sixth question is, does he who supplies the spirit work miracles? Yes. He still works miracles today. There's miracles when a lot of times it just feels like a miracle if you just get through the day. You wake up, you feel so down, and it's easy to get emotionally exhausted during this COVID thing. It's easy to get spiritually exhausted. Uh, I had a, a good close friend that described it the other day as he has crisis fatigue. You know, guys, don't be so 
enveloped in the crisis that's at hand, the societal crises that you have so much fatigue that you just are withering away spiritually, you're withering away emotionally. Get alone, do your work, whistle while you work, sing praise to the Lord and do those things and, and get your heart back right. Like, you know, where Paul in Philippians 4.8, I believe he says that whatever's good, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's good, whatever, basically whatever's positive, think on those things. Why don't you continue on there with well, our... Well, I just want to add... Don't feel guilty about looking for joyful things to meditate on and looking for things that build you up to meditate on because that is a commitment from Paul, which is from God, to us to look for the good things. It's not that we're just pulling our head inside the shell like a turtle, but we are actually, because when you think on those good things, not only do they boost up your immune system, but they, I just was going over this with a Bible study with some friends recently. It boosts your immune system, immune system. It makes you more creative. But you have to be able to focus on positive things. If you focus on negative things all the time, it just drags you down a deep, dark hole. And then I'm going to, do you want to read the end? or you? Want yeah, me? yeah, go, go ahead. You can read at the end, and then we're going to talk about how we share that faith. Okay. Okay, with Abraham. Okay, number seven. Like. I'm reading from verse seven. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. So what is that saying? Faith. Okay, so what that's saying is when Jesus, when God told Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you, he meant that Abraham would be the forefather or the um, predecessor of Jesus himself, of the Messiah that would come and bear the sins of the world. And through Abraham's faith, the whole world will be blessed because Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of the whole world. And he holds peace. He offers peace to all of us in all of these circumstances, even where you and I are right now today. And what we share with Abraham, and this is my ending thought, you know, the word tells us clearly that God made certain promises to Abraham and Abraham believed God and that God counted it as righteousness to him. Guys, when we believe God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, that is counted as righteousness to you. It is in the belief when we believe that God is who he says he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, as it says in Hebrews. That is where salvation is. It's in believing in him. And so we share that with Abraham. That is what I think Paul's talking about here. It's this promise of Jesus and taking him. So as the COVID looks bad and as society's societal chaos looks bad. Part of this promise is, is just, guys, that we're going to have the same promise Abraham had, that the just shall live by faith. Let's have faith in the Lord. Let's endure. Let's keep on keeping on. Let's not quit. We're in the fourth quarter. Let's make time happen or let's make time count is what I meant to say. You spend this evening, spend some time meditating on the things that God is doing through your life and Pray that the Lord would continue to show you how he can continue to do things in your life. We love you guys. We're going to keep talking about this thing on, uh, we're going to keep talking about Galatians 3 on Sunday. So let's close in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just come to you 
this evening. We thank you for all the blessings that you're pouring out on us, even in the midst of this virus and this chaos and this political unrest, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for giving us peace here and there, for giving us joy here and there, Lord. You're giving us spiritual food for our souls. And I also thank you, Lord, just for the miracle of being able to come into our situation where we are and give us a peace that passes understanding. That is what you've promised, Lord, and that is what you do. If we cling to you, you will give us your peace. And Lord, I just pray that you will help the people that are suffering, that you will help the people that even are listening and maybe they don't feel so well or they're in a financial situation or whatever their situation is in, Lord, I just pray that you will help them, that you'll strengthen them, that you'll lift them up, Lord. And also, I pray for our country. I pray that you're not finished with this great country of ours and that you will turn the hearts of the people back to you and that you'll turn the leaders back to you, Lord, and that it will not crumble and fall in the midst of all of this unrest and chaos that we see here, Lord. And um, we just lift all of these things up to you in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. See you guys on Sunday.